Welcome to episode 64 of the NX Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It's Monday, August 14th, and we're going to discuss strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, insight and perspective from members of the NX Wealth Management Investment Committee. I'm in the studio with two senior traders, Trevor Nargis on the highly touted Microphone 4, <laughs> and then I've got Ken Bellinger to my left. Ken, what's happening this week? Good morning. Yeah, it's uh, in terms of economic data, we're going to have a couple data points here Tuesday through Thursday. So Tuesday, we've got retail sales information and home builder sentiment. Wednesday, we've got housing starts, industrial production, and then the FOMC minutes, which are always a big item, especially as we talk about potentially heading into a pause here, which we'll get into a little bit later. And then Thursday, we've got jobless claims, the Philly Fed business outlook, then leading economic indicators, which is kind of an interesting place right now. Those have been negative month over month since May 22. And although the leading economic indicators have been at this level before without a recession, most recently in 96 and 98, it hasn't been down here at this level for this length of time. Again, not necessarily completely predictive of the future, but something we're certainly keeping an eye on internally. With that, Trevor, why don't you take us to strengths? So one of the first things that we have here in our notes was the idea that small business optimism is beginning to improve in that's been a strength. And that's definitely something to think about because we've talked about these alligator jaws or bifurcations in, in the market, you know, year to date where small caps have really taken on the chin, but you've had mega cap tech companies really rally. You talk about benefits from AI. It's really been those larger mega cap companies that can scale things like that. But bringing it back down to the small business side of it, right? Maybe you are starting to have some of that lower end catch up where small business optimism is improving. Now it's always important important to watch things like retail sales. You mentioned we're going to get that this week, consumer spending, things like that. But given that data that's coming out this week, one thing that we have been seeing is that consumer sentiment has been stabilizing a little bit. And Blaine and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that I do think a lot of that is attributable to the wealth effect, right? People's portfolios are doing quite well this year. They feel a little better about where they're at. Inflation, right? That's been stabilizing a little more, but it's important to note that that's just the rate of change, right? Just because inflation is slowing, it doesn't mean that prices are lower. Prices are still higher, they just aren't appreciating as fast as they have been. But I do think that it is somewhat of a strength in the sense that inflation has been slowing. That's what the Fed has really been trying to combat. And so we'll see what happens given what's happening with minutes coming out this week. We got a Fed meeting coming up not too far from now. But I do think on that inflation note that Powell has talked about the core CPI for the service sector, excluding shelter. That's been his preferred kind of leading indicator of inflation trends. And that's continued to decline. And so, right, we saw that peak at 8%, started this year at 5.3. July CPI report has it falling to about 2.9 from 3.3 in June. So where this is kind of leading the Fed is that maybe they don't hike rates at this next meeting. Ken, you and I were just talking about that before, that the odds of a hike at this next meeting are quite low. Maybe you do get some of that pause and they start to see how these rate increases are starting to actually trickle through and impact the economy. So there's one kind of caveat to that, though. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer, put a note in his talking points that go out to us internally, and he used the phrase, there's a fly in the ointment. That is that implied inflation expectations derived from both tips 
and nominal treasury bonds, those are rising. We'll see what happens here. But Ken, let's pivot into weaknesses. What do you got? Specifically, think about treasury auctions right now. Kind of the results have been all over the place the past couple of weeks here. And we're seeing certainly some yield volatility. If you look at the 10-year, that thing's been bouncing all over between really 39 and 4.2% over the last couple of weeks here. And really, it's just the market trying to figure out, I think, really where the Fed is at and where inflation is really going to sit on a longer term level and there's a lot of moving pieces right now that are throwing a lot of question marks into that, thus the volatility. Really, the question for the Fed, at most, I think we're looking at one more hike, or at least that's what the market's saying. We've only got like a 33% chance of one more hike, and that's looking like November, if at all. But really, the question going forward is from how high to how long. The Fed doesn't really have much of a reason to hike again. Maybe we get that last 25 basis points. Maybe not. But the thing to really look for is the signal that holding it for longer is kind of their substitute for additional hiking here. We've had a lot of discussion, certainly in this podcast, over kind of the, the handouts and the long-term budgetary concerns of the U.S. government. We had the debt downgrade a couple weeks ago here. Combine that with the, the auction dynamics, and the, the setup isn't really great right now for yields moving lower. You could say the bond bull turned into a little bit of a bear, but we're in flux at the moment. It's the best way I can, I can kind of say things here. Other weaknesses here, retail sales and industrial production this week probably show that a lot of consumer-fueled credit spending here is starting to sputter out. Manufacturing is kind of still stuck in the mud. We'll see what the numbers reveal. Maybe we get a pleasant surprise, but I don't think we're certainly anticipating that internally. And then the last weakness I'll mention here is earnings. We've seen a lot of beats this quarter, which has been kind of a pleasant surprise, but that hasn't been coupled with raises to yearly guidance. Really what you're seeing is in an ordinary situation where you'd see significant earnings beats like we have been, companies would usually at least raise guidance by the amount of the beat to kind of say, well, we're forecasting Q3 and Q4 to be the same. Therefore, our annual forecast is now higher. We're not seeing that. So it's implying some weakness as we head into the second half of the year here. And so there's something to note on that too, right? Is because typically over the long term, you want to see earnings growth, fuel prices in the market moving higher. A lot of what's happened this year has just been on multiple expansion. And now we're starting to see that earnings growth kind of sputter a little bit. Like you said, you aren't seeing these raises, things like that. And so earnings season, we're getting close to the end. We're kind of just past the 75% mark, but earnings growth is expected to be negative 4.4% here, which is up from trough levels, but still below what the market was expecting on July 1st. Sales growth is estimated to be relatively flat, which really is similar to expectations all along. So you haven't seen, like you said, a lot of that move to the upside, so to speak. So the big drag has been energy which has shown a decent decline in profits here and about a 30% decline in revenue. This could reverse. We have seen energy prices move quite a bit when you look at nat gas, things like that. And I know you'll touch on that in a little bit here, Ken. But what remains kind of really interesting is that the consensus continues to believe that earnings growth in 2024 is going to get back on track, maybe like around the 12% mark. It'll be interesting to see here, but I would say that earnings themselves have kind of been a weakness. You haven't seen the robust growth that people might have been hoping for. Ken, let's pivot into opportunities here. I know we talked about yields, but what does that maybe imply from a duration standpoint in the fixed income side of one's portfolio? Sure. So really, as we're kind of in this this short-term unknown as far as where short-term yields are going to be and how long they're going to last here, I think the key to think about is as you look to extend duration, because we do think eventually, especially as we head into 2024 here, that we'll see 
rate cuts in 2024. There is going to come a point in time where you want to start adding duration, but this is probably a case just given the short-term volatility we're looking at, where you just want to ease into buying some of those longer-term, longer-duration bonds. That's kind of been our approach internally here, is just to slowly ease into it because just because of the volatility. Take opportunities when the market presents them, and otherwise, just be patient. Otherwise, more to a shorter dynamic. Uh, but Trevor, do you want to talk about you know, some of the potential rotations we're seeing in the market? From a rotation standpoint, there's one thing that I wanted to touch on here. You and I have talked about it quite a bit in our day-to-day routines. Uh, we've talked about it with our colleagues, Blaine Disrude and Jason Cooper. And that's been more of a rotation from growth to value. So year-to-date, it's not really news to anyone for me to say that growth has really outperformed value, north of 25% as far as outperformance is concerned. And we've talked about some of the overarching headwinds that we might start seeing impact the market here. It could present an opportunity in value stocks, which can be seen as more of a defensive counterpart to the growth factor. And what I mean by those headwinds is valuations have gotten kind of lofty. You have higher rates, higher yields that put pressure on asset prices. And so in the valuation camp, you know, compared to growth, it might make a little more sense in the value pocket of the market, given that multiple expansion that we've seen year to date, these mega cap growth names like consumer tech names have have gotten quite lofty from a valuation standpoint. So names that might be a little more attractively valued could be a place to rotate to, which we have started to see, right? One thing I personally like to watch is the price action of growth stocks relative to value stocks. And actually how I look at that is, is somewhat the opposite. I look at value relative to growth. And we've seen that price ratio start to turn in favor here of the value factor. It's moving off of some key longer term support levels. And we've seen value stocks do quite well over the past couple of weeks here. So there's opportunity for this momentum, if you will, to continue as we head into a seasonally weak part of the year. And I do have some more on seasonality later on. But Ken, what else do you see from more of a defensive side of things? We've talked about this in the previous episode, but really the market's still showing puts is in- incredibly cheap relative to history and really thinking about just broad market puts, which is something that I think a lot of people hear options and they think really speculative and almost dangerous opportunities. But really, I think the way we think about them internally is more of insurance. We've seen the market go up more than 20%, 25%. And the opportunity for these puts is the market kind of became complacent. They just became an attractive way to lock in some gains without necessarily realizing tax gains gains along the way. And uh, it's an opportunity for investors to take a little bit off the table, if you will, for the short term as we go through what we expect to be a volatile period here in the second half. Well, and and that's keyword, right? Volatile. So volatility has been really low this year compared to what we've historically seen. And that's what's helped puts be so cheap and be so attractive. And so as we move forward here, there's some opportunity and maybe some of those less volatile names should volatility start to pick up here. Names that are historically less volatile to the market, when volatility does pick up, that should be somewhat of an attractive place to be. So we'll see where that goes. But I think, you know, we talked about the value factor just a little while ago, and there is one pocket inside the value factor that we've been looking at quite a bit that we do think there are some pretty interesting dynamics, and that's energy. Ken, what do you got on that? Yeah, and really speaking of volatility, I think it's worth talking for a moment or two here about what we've been seeing in that gas over the past week and really a couple months here. Just last week, we saw 
uh, nat gas prices for the one-month future in the U.S. go up 7.5%. That's up 28% from the June 1st low, so really a rapid acceleration in pricing there. And then in the EU, way more volatile. Their one-month future rose 20% last week and is up 54% from the June 1st low here. I will note on those, prices still remain far below what we saw in 22 when the market was trying to digest the ramifications of Russia invading Ukraine and the trade fallout from that, bans on exports and things like that. This week's spike was specifically due to talks of a strike in Australia amongst nat gas employees. Australia is about 10% of nat gas production, and this was shut most of it down, but they're just in talks. Like There's a meeting on Tuesday. This isn't even something that actually happened. But the overarching theme here, I think, to think about is how fragile that market really is from a supplies perspective. And yes, if you've got declining economic activity, you'll certainly see some decline on the demand side, but there's a floor. People are going to have to heat their homes in the winter as we go through this heat wave currently that we're seeing really globally. Air conditioning's running, and a lot of that is powered by nat gas in the back. And one thing I'll note specifically to the EU, and which is why you've seen their move be so much more dramatic, most countries in the EU don't really have the storage capacity to make it through a winter. The EU as a whole can store about 1,120 terawatt hours of nat gas, which is a lot, don't get me wrong, but it's about 28% of their annual production. And they're currently going through a hot summer. If a cool winter follows, that could be really problematic going forward. But again, so the supply demand environment is just really volatile and fragile. So yeah, let's pivot into threats here then. You know, one thing that our chief economist, Brian Jacobson, passed along to us is the phrase for equities, everything being fine until it isn't. And I think there is definitely some merit to that phrase. And so as we head into some seasonally weak periods of the year, August to September, it may not be a surprise to see the market maybe cool off a little bit here. And we have somewhat started to see that already. Uh, When you look at broader stocks, something like the S&P 500, for example, that has begun to take a bit of a breather here. And so the idea of a short-term pullback is somewhat supported by the extremely low cost of hedging, as you mentioned, Ken, with puts being so cheap. You know, the cost of hedging a portfolio is around some of the lowest levels on record. And so I think that complacency in the market is somewhat of a threat should you see volatility pick up. Valuations certainly can be a headwind right now. Higher rates, higher yields, those also put pressure on asset prices. So when you talk about levels of fear or complacency in the market, right, fear is quite low, that complacency is high. When you see these type of dynamics at play, in the short term, those can be signs of shorter term market peaks. And so back to your note on inflation, I think that that is still a threat. And you talk about valuations and whatnot, equity valuations aren't necessarily a bargain right now. What some people like to look at is the equity risk premium as denoted by the earnings yield on stocks compared to the yield on the tenure. And that risk reward dynamic is quite low right now. I think that there are some attractive opportunities, if you will, and kind of dialing that back to our last section. There are some opportunities within fixed income, but valuations aren't necessarily all that attractive right now. When you talk about rising energy prices that combined with higher interest rates could be somewhat of a problem for what is somewhat of an overbought market at the moment. And so the market might be realizing this a little bit more. Fed fund futures have taken one rate cut off the table this year, and now they're pricing in five cuts compared to six last week, which goes back to that higher 
for longer argument. Just t- kind of taking this back to energy just for a half second here and combining that with inflation thoughts, you know, although the overall trend is likely going to be declining inflation going forward, this isn't an environment where I would expect just a smooth escalator ride back down to our 2% floor. I think we're definitely going to have some turbulence along the way. Just energy alone is an input. Think about rents, that's still a supply constraint side on, on residential costs. And there's just a lot of pockets of volatility that can pop up here, especially given the global geopolitical environment going forward. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, episode number 64. Our headline strength? Sure. So I'd say the headline strength is really, again, small business optimism and consumer sentiment. Our headline weakness? I would say our headline weakness would then be yield volatility as treasury auctions have been all over the place. Headline opportunity? Our headline opportunity would be legging into that duration when the market presents opportunities uh, and the energy space. And our headline threat? Then our headline threat would be for equities. Everything is fine until it isn't. NX Wealth Management Squad Podcast. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Ken. Join us next week. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.